ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. It's always windy in the Coorong in South Australia. It's this flat sort of landscape with salty lakes and it's dune sort of country. It just rolls on and on. And today I'm on the way to Meningi on the shores of Lake Albert, where if you're lucky, you'll see a flotilla of pelicans skim the surface while they're in flight. And apparently there are 1,000 residents in town, not pelicans, people, but I'm really not here for them. I'm here for this. Right by the lake, opposite the coffee shop and the museum, is a huge statue. So here we are at the ostrich statue. It isn't some colonial bloke, but it's not someone from around here either. It's a bird. A giant bird. It's an ostrich. You can see it sitting there in pride of place in the park, just near the boat ramp. It's um, a bit windy today, but uh, the sun's shining and there's uh, whitecaps even on the lake today. So here we go. This is it. (laughs) It's wearing a saddle like a horse might and it even has little elegant footstools that make climbing onto it easy because that's what people like to do on this thing. They like to get on it as if they're sure on a naval gun. Most times when I drive past here, there is somebody sitting on that uh, saddle having their photo taken, so with uh, various expressions of excitement when they're sitting on there, some with pistols blazing, some with hats in the air, and I've seen probably, the maximum I've seen on there is probably about six people perched on top of this poor little ostrich, but yeah, it certainly causes a lot of interest in the town. And the sign says, Bushranger, Birdman of the Coorong, John Francis Peggotty, 1864 to 1899. What the duck. Ann Jones here, and this week's duck is a big one. The biggest duck alive. It's all about ostriches and Australian legends. And move over, Ned Kelly. There's a new anti-hero in town. Denise Mason is a local school teacher in Meningi, and she's yet to quite explain why the duck. There is a giant statue of an ostrich in the main street of the town. Oh, the Birdman of the Coorong is an amazing story. Well, is he some sort of bird watcher or something, like an ostrich breeder? John Francis Peggotty was born in England in 1864, so the story of the Birdman of the Coorong goes right back. Arrioli. He only grew to about the size of a seven-year-old. Not very big at all, really. So he became a chimney sweep. He was small, so he could easily climb the chimneys, I suppose? While he was doing that, apparently the story goes that he was often in rich people's houses and became a bit addicted to taking samples of rich people's belongings and so he started a collection of gold chains and bracelets and anything shiny and a bit like a bowerbird really. Unfortunately for him, I guess, he was caught out by one of his landladies actually parading around his bedroom in his finery. Now, if you've got it, flaunt it. 
So gold chains wrapped around his neck and his landlady obviously dobbed him into the local police. He was caught and because he was only the size of a seven-year-old, he actually managed to get away with, couldn't be convicted of the crime because he looked like a child. So he went to South Africa. And the story continues and in South Africa, where again, his height was his advantage and he was employed as an ostrich jockey. A what? An ostrich jockey? So one of the popular sports in South Africa at the time, and apparently it still continues, is ostrich racing. So he became a quite renowned jockey riding these ostriches and and winning a number of races. But his family disapproved of earning a living riding massive birds and gambling. So from South Africa, Peggotty travelled to Australia where an uncle took him in. That didn't work out very well either because his uncle wasn't that happy when he found John Peggotty wearing his wife's jewellery around his bedroom. So his uncle asked him to leave and so the story goes that that's how he ended up in South Australia, coming across the border to see what he could find in South Australia. So he heard about the Cobb & Co., That's the famous company which ran horse-drawn carriages to and from the goldfields. Going up and down the Coorong Road. And to his luck, he found a wild ostrich or two or three along the Coorong. He knew how to work with those and so that was his advantage. He became a robber along the Coorong Road riding his ostrich. An outlaw, a bushranger, riding Birdbacker top a flightless ratite. Yes, he's certainly getting a reputation as a bushranger. So he's been, it was reported that he did actually shoot a couple of people. So, but no one could find him because he could escape really quickly. On an ostrich. Ostrich is extremely fast and they are used to running on sand and dry environments. So they could certainly escape up the sand hills much quicker than a horse or a person trying to to run up there to try and follow somebody. And, of course, no one would believe when the story would be told when people would finally get to Meningi or to Kingston where the closest police stations were and they would say they'd been robbed by a miniature person on an, an ostrich. No one would believe that story. Mm, I can see why. So police were loath to even follow that up because it didn't make any sense whatsoever. How long could you possibly keep up such an occupation? Stealing gold jewellery, keeping an ostrich hidden from authorities? (laughs) Well, he came to it a bit of a sad end. He was chased one time because he was hiding apparently in the bushes along the Coorong and the story goes that there was a glint from the sun shining on some of his jewellery. Absolutely balling. Which attracted the attention of some of the locals and he was finally chased the horse and ostrich racing up a sand hill. Obviously the ostrich managed to get up there quicker but the guy on the horse, Mr Carmichael, had stopped to take aim at the ostrich. The story goes 
He missed Peggotty, but the poor ostrich got it in the neck, leaving Peggotty to struggle through the dunes without the ostrich, weighed down by kilograms of gold chains under the harsh South Australian sun. Nobody really knows, but apparently he's never been seen since. Wait, wait, wait. So there could be treasure out there. I mean, he loved to wear those gold chains. Possibly along the Coorong somewhere is quite a lot of gold and uh, jewellery probably hanging around a skeleton. (laughs) All right, this is probably the tallest tale I have ever heard and I love it. A man making the most of his life in the 1890s, learning to ride an ostrich, feeding his love for gold and Robin Hooding his way around the Coorong region of South Australia. And it's not just me who's totally captivated by this story. Everyone who sees the ostrich statue outside town falls in love with the tale. Like Canadian tourists, Randall and Kathy, who are right now climbing on the ostrich. You could be the ostrich man, the bush man. Randall from Canada. Just passing through. There's my wife right there. Well, I did read about it on the way in, so I'm excited to do the little racing emus picture. (laughs) Okay, not a good example. It's not an emu and it's not really racing unless you call aiding the escape of a man accused of highway robbery racing. But maybe the locals have a better grasp of the truth. Jacob Fiebig is from Meningi. I grew up here, but then we moved away and we came back, and then it's only been a recent thing that's come out. So The bird-riding bushranger he's talking about. So John Peggotty came out here and he used to rob people by going down their chimneys, I believe. So in this story, he's like a reverse Santa? And found an ostrich out here somehow and used to hold people up out near the Coorong and stuff like that, and eventually he was gunned down. And now his fortune, which he kept around his neck, like necklaces and stuff, is somewhere out in the Coorong. How believable is it all, though? I mean, you grew up in the area. Have you ever even seen an ostrich? Uh, No, but there's uh, some other animals, like the big uh, panther, the Coorong panther, and there's been a few thylacine spottings as well out near the Coorong, so you never know what you're going to spot out near the Coorong. All right, this is too much for one day. Hasn't seen an ostrich, but there's a bloody big cat story. That's all we need. Filing it away for a future What the Duck. So I'm working on a song called The Ballad of John Peggotty. I think he deserves a Bushranger ballad. So we'll see how we go. (laughs) It's incomplete at the moment. Driven by the want of gold and his lustful greed Away he fled over the dunes upon his feathered steed Nobody knows just what it was that made him go so wrong John Peggotty, the Birdman of the Coorong Yeah, 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 all right, all right. It is a great story. But the big duck in the room right now is how much of this story can we believe? Because basically every step of the way it sounds like it's made up. So just how likely is it that there was even an ostrich near the Coorong for John Peggotty to ride? All right, I'm going to go and look up the Australian bird guide. O for ostrich. Yep, there it is, right next to the emu. Ostriches are the largest bird in the world and they're also the heaviest and emus are in second place effectively. 
Associate Professor Rowan Clark is an ecologist at Monash University and a co-author of The Australian Bird Guide. Yeah, so the ostriches in Australia, most people wouldn't know that we've got some wild populations of ostriches. Um, they're tucked away in the back blocks in a few different locations. Uh, there's a probably the largest populations in South Australia and then there's quite a small population in New South Wales as well. Okay, so that part potentially checks out that there could have been wild ostriches for John Pegarty to catch and train to harness. And the ABC archives also backs this up because here's Landline. South African ostriches were imported into Australia in the late 1880s. At the turn of the century, the biggest ostrich farm in the world was a 10,000-acre station at Port Augusta in South Australia. Back then, though, ostriches were only farmed for their feathers. The Port Augusta farm operated profitably for 30 years. But after the war, fashions changed. No longer were ostrich feather boas or plumed hats in vogue. When the world feather market collapsed in 1916, the South Australian Ostrich Company was wound up. Its birds were set free, sold off, killed or sent to zoos. And they established these populations sort of 40 to 60 kilometres north of Port Augusta on what is rangelands, which is now sheep stations. And the ostriches live there. And I think the largest group was about three or 400 ostriches were known to be there in the 1970s. And then it turned out there was a second boom in ostriches from a farming perspective in Australia. So into the 1980s and 1990s, there was a second wave of the ostrich industry where ostriches were worth an awful lot of money and ostriches were sort of the new fad for meat and leather. Uh, and the value was remarkable. Later, a bid of $52,000, the top bid of the day, stunned the crowd. All 35 birds offered were sold. The take? A breathtaking $850,000. That's a lot of drumsticks. In the 1980s and 1990s, some of the, the best, biggest male birds which were used for breeding on these ostrich farms were selling for $50,000. If only John Pegarty had known, he could have made legit money from the runaway ostriches. But I don't think they're worth that now. Or should I be taking to mustering wild ostriches? No, so the numbers dropped off in the wild, not surprisingly, because people were catching them up. But um, there's still a continual line of records on a number of properties. So Mount Arden Station was sort of ostrich central. So, you know, there's a, a thing in Australia and, and globally indeed where bird watchers like to add new birds to their list and it turns out that there's wild ostriches in Australia. So wild ostriches is a thing you can add to your list. Yep, there is a small industry of tourism for mad keen bird watchers to specifically go and see the ostriches so they can add that bird to their lists. Bonkers. There's somewhere between 50 and 100 ostriches spread over three or four sheep stations in that same area still. And this particular property you can you can go and visit because it's got a homestay on it and they're happy for people to travel out to the back blocks to see their wild ostriches. Rowan's interest in ostriches is linked to his research for the Australian Bird Guide. And as the ostrich isn't a native bird or even very common, why is it in there? 
So we have ostrich in the field guide. I think it's fair to say it's probably to the disappointment of most of the authors and artists in the field guide because we were hoping to exclude the world's largest bird from Africa in an Australian bird guide. But as it is, there's good evidence for an established population for more than 100 years. So in they went. But far from being surprised that ostriches are established here, Rowan's surprised that they're actually not even more established. No, and I think, I mean, it's kind of interesting ostriches establishing in Australia. I might have expected they might have done quite a bit better than they have, but a large bird that in an Australian setting would have virtually no predators, like dingoes might take um, young birds, but large birds could defend themselves. It's kind of surprising that they haven't spread over a much larger area because I, I might have thought that rangelands in Australia would be very, very suitable for them. Now, Rowan says there are some ostriches in New South Wales as well, near Barham, but they've only turned up there relatively recently. And for it to count for the bird guide, the bird has to be technically established in the wild. And that means several generations have to be successful in a row. Now, because the ostriches have no leopards after them or whatever while they're here in Australia, they just don't die very young. So there are like 30-year-old ostriches wandering around, becoming geriatric mums. It's caused all sorts of consternation in the birdwatching community because is the population established if it's just made up of all these old birds that are still having babies? Anyway, we're getting distracted by bird politics here. What about the legend of the bushranger ostrich rider from the late 1800s in the Coorong? Is it actually possible that there would have been ostriches there for him to ride? Oh, I think it's plausible that there would have been ostriches in Australia by then. Um, we were pretty good at importing all sorts of weird and wonderful creatures, both for zoos and for sort of private menageries around that time. What about um, riding an ostrich? Surely that can't be true. It is. <laughs> I've never tried it uh, and I've never witnessed it directly, but there's certainly, there are ostrich races. There are plenty of videos online of people riding ostriches. So I think probably in the same space as camel races and a few other things, largely a novelty, but definitely doable. What the duck. Okay. Ostrich riding? Ostrich equestrian? I don't know. Oh God, I hate it already. Okay. This video, we're at an ostrich farm in Africa. It doesn't really say where, but it looks dry. And there are blokes chasing ostriches around. And, oh my God, they've got the ostrich in a little pen and they've put a spit hood on it. Okay, a tourist climbing via a rail onto the back of the ostrich. It's only a small lady that's on. Okay, legs behind the wings. The wings are being held up by someone and the ostrich does not like it. The tourist is getting instructions to hold onto the wings and they're off. It's running. Doesn't look stable and there are two attendants sort of holding the tourist on, also holding the ostrich back. And she's off. What the duck. This makes me punchy for a million reasons, but it does show that ostriches can support the weight of a human and still run. Don't know for how long, though. I'm not sure how much control you'd ever have over the direction. Do we know if there were ever actually ostriches in the Kurong? 
Definitely. And interestingly enough, somebody a few years ago actually gave us to put on display an ostrich egg that had been found on the Kurong that belonged to their great-grandmother. So it probably was around about 100 years old. I don't know if you've ever seen an ostrich egg, but it's not something you'd easily miss. They're huge. They lay uh, quite a large clutch of uh, white eggs. So emu eggs are a very dark green colour. Uh, ostrich eggs are, are white and ostrich eggs are probably about a third larger and a little bit more round than an emu egg. Probably need almost two hands to hold it comfortably most of the time. So they lay a relatively large clutch. I think I've seen photos of sort of 15 or so in a clutch and then the female incubates it. Okay, an egg. Maybe from the Coorong, but I mean, <laughs> can you trust family stories? But Denise reckons that with John Peggotty being a bit of a thief... He might have nicked the ostriches from a farm she found a reference to. Oh, the ostriches definitely escaped from the farm. In fact, they were actually let go at the end because they, the fashion obviously changed and they were let loose. And so they ended up at the Kurong and all around. And there I did find newspaper articles from the Border Watch in about... The last one I found was about 1952 where ostriches were sighted along the Kurong. And might I add, the 1952 press is not just a story about ostriches being present. It's an Adelaide advertiser story spread over three columns that details the trauma of a local Meningi councillor being chased by an irate ostrich for half a mile along a road. Anyway, so where did this bushranger story come from? This short-statured, pistol-wielding, gold-chain-wearing, gold-rush outlaw holding up coaches from the back of, I'm assuming, a very angry ostrich... So at the time we were looking at this project, there'd been what they called the Millennium Drought. So the lake at Meningi had basically dried up and the town became quite um, almost a ghost town really because lots of dairies had to close because that was their main water supply. This was one of the projects that try and find other ways for Meningi to actually be able to survive without water. There was a group of people who aimed to gather a few stories, I guess, about the town to try and promote the town through stories. And this story was one that just resonated. So it was given to us by a local person who had the original copy that had been printed in a magazine in the about the 1960s, apparently. Ah, the 1960s Australiana story in a magazine. I can just imagine the fact-checking that went into it. Walkley award-winning stuff. Anyway, it was then decided that a statue was needed. Some of the, the locals were a little bit dubious and, you know, the Kurong might be dug up with people looking for treasure and we'll just be, everyone will think we're crazy. But, yeah, it's been one of those stories that the town has, uh, has started to own. But the question I'm sure you're all asking is the question that I'm asking about this story and that is, is any of this true? I guess when we first found the story, it was like, well, do we do we just take the story on face value or do we do a little bit of research? Research became um, probably a little bit tricky, but um, other than that, it was actually a really positive story and we'd had lots of negative stories around the town at the time and so this produced a little bit of a laugh. And my research around Meningi and the other stories that have been given to us all seem to revolve around people being very inventive and showing lots of initiative in the way that they solve problems. And so that's probably why this resonated with me. 
I think Denise is showing a true teacher find the positives for the school report colours here. Because, yeah, I suppose a criminal with a penchant for layering chains like a rapper with a contraplasia and a unique ability to catch and control a wild bird about three to four times bigger than himself, hold onto it with his legs while brandishing pistols and riding up sand dunes, that does show initiative. What the Duck is an ABC Science production and every single episode we are trying to find out the truth behind the most apocryphal stories of nature. I'm Anne Jones, Patria Ladgrove is the Duck and producer and Joel Werner does the script editing for us. This program was made on Wadawurrung and Ghana country and Meningi is on Naranjeri country. And wait, it isn't over yet. There's more. It's actually not an ostrich, so the statue is actually an emu painted to look like an ostrich. So people who get a bit funny about the whole story will come and say, but it's got three toes and ostriches only have two. And I think it was a financial <laughs> decision <laughs> that we could actually find a uh, an emu statue. And so, yeah. What the duck. <laughs>